Welcome to the Apollo League Founder Series, a podcast that helps entrepreneurs, startups, and investors learn from the founders of today's cutting-edge businesses in their early growth stages. Now, handing you over to the host and owner of the Apollo League, Mr. Simon Moore. Okay. Um, well, good morning, Gabriel Providell from Mosaic Play. Fantastic to speak today. Good morning, Simon. Good to be here. So I wanted to, um, for the benefit of our listeners, just talk a little bit about, um, you know, our experience working together. So Mosaic Play is currently listed on Apollo League and has been one of our, one of our recent success stories. And it's, it's often really useful for, um, for people in the ecosystem around scale-up companies and also around talent, you know, people that are looking to get involved with emerging businesses. And when I say emerging, I mean businesses that are a million dollars revenue or on their way to it through locked-in contracts or agreements and now experiencing sort of rapid growth. You know, you know how, what's the experience like and how, how I guess, um, they face challenges in growing their business. And so I'd like to explore that with you as a, you know, in real time today, as someone that's sort of been working through through those challenges, and I guess working with us to see if we can we can help solve some of them. So, just to kick us off, um, Gabriel, why don't you tell us a bit about Mosaic Play? Because it's an interesting website that you've got. Mosaic Play uh, is almost so creative when you look at it as an outsider. It takes a while to really understand what problem you're solving and 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 how that works. So. Tell us a bit about, you know, the business and, and your story. What led you to identify the problem and what the problem is? Excellent. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm Gabriel and I'm the founder and CEO of Mosaic Play. And we are a student marketplace for the creative industries. So, basically, we connect students to the best creative colleges and universities from across the globe. So, any, any college and university that offers degrees in the areas of artificial intelligence, design, animation, photography, fashion, um, anything related to creative technology, really. So all that cool stuff and range of courses out there. Um, and we we identified a couple of challenges um, for across three players, really. One was from a student's perspective. You know, it, it's not that easy for students to find a, a, the right course for them to be able to study overseas, especially. And what we do for students is that we help them choose the course, the university, help them through the admissions process, help them with their portfolios, their visas, and we do all of that for free because we get funded by the colleges. And with the colleges, we help them reach and market a wide range of um, right students for the colleges across different nationalities. And we only get paid from the colleges once the student has successfully enrolled. And there's a third player that we're also trying to resolve a problem, which are the, the agents, other study agents. We provide them with uh, an inventory of, of quality courses, our CRM system and our marketing tools. So they in turn can also recruit students to these colleges that we have contractual agreements with. And in return, they get 100% of the, of the fee, of the commission fee for a subscription fee. Um, so, but at the end of the day, what we do is that we're creating an ecosystem that enables future students in the creative industries to, to thrive and actively participate in this growing creative economy. And, and, and I identified that problem uh, a couple of years ago, having worked in the international education space for about 20 years and realized that 
Yeah, a lot of the, the courses that related to business, IT, engineering were growing, but for some reason, these really fast-growing um, offerings around creative and technology were kind of um, falling under the radar. And so we're in a unique space and, and growing under what would be one of the most challenging time in international education to actual growth. Yeah, I was going to ask that. I mean, it's, you know, it, selling educational services and, and assisting with travel for international students during the COVID-19 pandemic seems like a bit of an uphill slog. But from what I understand and, our, you know, our discussions working together, you, you started during COVID-19 and, and actually it hasn't, it hasn't been uh, slow growth or the headwinds have not stopped you at all. Can you explain why that is? It's been super interesting, actually. We, we started about 15 months ago, just a couple of months before COVID, but the, the first couple of months was about setting up the, the MVP, the operational infrastructure, um, securing these contractual agreements with universities, top colleges around the world. Um, and But we actually started to generate our first revenue since January 2020, which was literally the start of COVID. And you're right, we haven't stopped since. We've been growing um, because we did focus a fair bit um, with um, connecting students um, with online courses. And we are in a space where courses like animation, visual effects, design are growing in the online space. And one of, we're one of the few student placements that actually is connecting or are connecting students to, to these colleges in this particular space. And we've managed to grow, um, but at the same time, we've been nurturing and, 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 and counselling students ready to start um, once borders do open, particularly around Europe and, and, and North America in September 2021. So we, we, we started to generate our first revenue in January, um, and in our first year, we've, we've received about $200,000 in terms of um, cash in the bank um, from connecting students to these online courses, but our, we've also secured a future pipeline and commission um, pipeline of about $700,000. So students ready um, with an offer and just waiting for the borders to open in September, October this year um, for that commission to actually translate into, into real cash in, in, in the accounts. And how do you, that's fantastic. How do you get the students, you know, I guess just trying to give um, people that might be on the other side of the fence here who are interested in what I call scale-up companies. So mm. these are businesses that are, you know, not just revenue positive, but now experiencing, you know, if you look at your first year, you know, kicking off 200,000 200, in cash at bank sales, but you've effectively locked in, you know, revenue of 700. So that's a, you know, 350x you know, inside 12-month upgrade. Is that is that trajectory, you know, what's driving that? How scalable is it, you know, and w what's the model? How does it allow you to get big quickly, you know, um, in, in your business? Is this due to your sort of affiliate networks? You know, how, how as a business person um, have you cracked this nut of how to get a, a business big quickly? It's a combination of different channels and acquisition um, methods, really. Um, I, I've always believed, having been general managers of and sales and marketing directors of large education groups, that you have to um, kind of develop, design and develop different acquisition channels. And, and, and in this case, we source students globally. So we're not reliant on one particular market. We can source a Malaysian student that goes to France and we send them to a whole range of destinations. So 
on one end, we we have uh, a wide range of source markets where we can um, tap into and getting the right students to a wide range of destination markets. But in terms of acquisitions and business model, we have gone down the path of um, affiliates. So uh, there are a whole bunch of communities out there in the creative space, you know, gamers, you know, um, portals that um, have loyal followers and, and, and passionate creatives that would like to upskill or study a degree. And we have that inventory and we help affiliates and communities monetize their community. So we, 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 with this model, we've embedded our form within their community and on a daily basis, we get leads from these many affiliates that we have across the globe and we intend to have hundreds of these affiliates. So that's worked really well for us. We also do virtual expos. So, you know, you physically can't go and do a, a, an exhibition or, or creative expo fair um, in any region across the world right now, but technology allows us to do as many of these in as many continents as we are able to stay awake and, and, and get, over, get over the time zone and challenge, which is why I have people across different regions. So these virtual expos have been an incredible um, way for us to be able to attract a good demand of interested students and bring in a whole range of colleges and connect them so they can actually interact and then we do a follow-up. And we've done a fair bit of paid advertising, so um, digital marketing um, channels where we develop videos and assets using a fair bit of the content from the schools is the best way to promote these colleges is actually through the work of students. And, and we use that content to, to generate great demand out there. And digital marketing is, is the right way for us to do this right now as opposed to your traditional marketing. So how many schools are you talking about, you know, in a sense of building the network on the demand side from these affiliates, which I understand to be basically student placement agencies that just don't have the know-how to determine whether or not a candidate is any good creatively. I know I would have no idea. Mm -hmm. um, but also like the you talk about like the best schools, the best creative schools. So, you know, like who, who are some of them, you know, and, you know, how many have you got, I guess? You know, what's the sense of, you know, the, the demand and supply side at the yeah. moment? So the last 15 months we've been fairly busy um, signing up schools and we actually kind of had to stop a bit because um, it wasn't so much about the inventory anymore. It was about then um, putting together the infrastructure to deal with the pipeline. But we've got about 110 contractual agreements with amazing colleges in Canada, in US, in Germany, France, Spain, Italy, Malaysia, Australia, New Zealand. Um, and that, that gives us about 2,000 courses, really, uh, which is a great starting point. All of these courses, as we said at the beginning, in their creative tech space. Um, so it's about 110 contractual agreements. And we are talking, um, you know, there, there's a ranking out there which uh, ranks the best digital media colleges in the world um, in the space of games, animation, and visual effects. And we work with the top 50 best ranked schools in the world. Um, and we, many of them we have exclusive contractual arrangements with. So they would only work with us as a student placement agencies. Colleges like Noman in Los Angeles, Vancouver Film School, Instituto Marangoni, one of the best fashion schools in the world, um, Think Tank, the best online visual effects school in the world, um, schools across Australia and New Zealand that are highly ranked as well. So we've done a fair bit of work to get that inventory and contractual arrangements with top colleges. Our, our challenge now will be to expand that portfolio and add in colleges that are also reputable and good, but that perhaps are, are not as, as strict in terms of portfolio requirements. But 
there's been it's been quite it's been quite interesting to to get these um colleges on board and these arrangements with affiliates and, and get us going for what was been what has been effectively a, a tough time for international education in general yeah absolutely okay so rewind to to when we first started you know chatting and and how we you know i guess how we how we got talking about potentially mm. partnering with you and helping you so um we met through a mutual acquaintance, Salvador Klein, who um, he's our sort of guardian angel, for want of a better word, at Apollo at the moment. He's our best referral uh, source and he only works with, uh, he only refers businesses that he's sort of invested in personally mm. and that are that are scaling, which is, which is nice. It's good to know um, when you take on a, a job that you're working with a business that has someone in it that you, you trust. Um, and in terms of like where you're at, you you'd already gone through some seed fundraising um, with Salvador and and Rob and some of the other guys that you had involved. So, you know, when we started talking, where were the gaps in the business? Let's just start with people and skills. You know, what was it that you know that you you were hoping to get out of um, this sort of search process? Yeah. So as you said, we've just finished off our seed um, funding process, and and um, we were growing, or we are growing, and then we decided to start our CRSA funding process as well. But equally, or more importantly, we wanted to then start bringing in leadership and talent to our organisation and professionalising it. Um, you know, getting away from that startup mode and, and being a real scale up. And one of the first things we needed to do was was to finalise our board director board member yeah. uh, um, roles. So from I learned earlier on this process, um, having already worked with Salvador, you know, Salvador is a great example where he was our first investor and currently a board member. Yeah. So in my view, you know, if we have a couple of um, roles like that, people that have the experience, the capacity to bring in great value to this scale up, and at the same time have skin in the game and, and invest, you know, that will be a, a win-win for us. And my, my biggest challenge were two. One was that I guess, you know, it's it was quite time-consuming to find, you know, or, or I saw it was going, going, going to be quite time-consuming to find the right person and, and go through all that recruitment process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the convenience was a bit of an issue there. Um, and taking away uh, CEO time for the company in terms of being able to, do all this other work, but also um, for it to be result-driven. You know, you can you can get a whole bunch of leads and, and people that have the capacity to want to join your company, but are they the right people? Mm. So the, the gaps there was that we needed to complete and fill out our board um, director um, uh, roles and at the same time our advisory board. And um, so, yeah, when Salvador introduced me to, to you guys, you know, we, we thought we completely understood the model. Matter of fact, it's, there's a lot of analogies with what we do at Mosaic Play in terms of counselling and recruiting students um, and then getting paid at the end of that process when the transaction has been success. So I understood the model. But then also, um, you know, we, 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 were, we needed to scale that recruitment process and we thought, you know, we'll give this a try. You know, at the end of the day, you know, it looks like it's a technology platform that has come up with ways of being able to scale this for us and and we took it from there. So it was um, it was good that I think Sal had Sal had had some previous experience with you, but we were coming in nice and fresh. 
So, so that's great. And, and like the bit, the first, that's, I think that you're right when you say there are, there are there are links between our business models and yours. I mean, really, what we're trying to do is, I think, on one hand, there's this education piece around explaining to candidates what they need to do to get placed in, into businesses, mm. and they're not really, in my experience, they're, they're not fed useful information and data. But it is also about saving time and trying to use technology to to eliminate, you know processes that are analog that really shouldn't be you know uh, mm. so when you measure the success of this the first phase is you know how many leads did you get through Apollo you know through this process and how quickly did it take to to get to get there because this is the first yeah. big gripe that I find when you deal with uh, when you deal with scale-up companies or, or growing companies you know they're dealing with opaque processes and they're not getting the leads that they need to feel that the mm. process is a healthy process so you know, start starting with that question. How, how did we go? Well, that's one of the most important things, right? You can get a thousand leads, but if they're they're not um, quality leads, where we're wasting everyone's time. So we, I remember getting a call after like two or three days. There was initially 190 leads came through, but I think after the first week, we had about 300 leads. Um, and these were, you know, I got the list of people of those leads. So and we had LinkedIn. Um, um, pages where we can actually see information. So they they were they were qualified leads. So if anything, the the challenge was going through those three hundred leads. Um, <laughs> but the system was that, and the understanding was, and this is what happened was that now there's a pre-filtering process going through those leads, which is done. You know, the heavy work is done by you guys, and then at the end of the day, I was I had to go through a list of fifteen twenty. Uh, which is still some involvement. It doesn't mean that you don't have to do anything from your end, mind in this case. But, um, but you know, going through 20 as opposed to 300 is, is a big difference. And the 20 were very good candidates. So, so that was, yeah, 300 leads in a week or a couple of days. Um, that's, that I thought already was a, was a very good start. But one thing, and we work with generating leads, one thing is generating leads. The other is where we actually able to get the right candidate, the right fit. So the second process was around the, besides the pre-filtering was the fact that um, Apollo was able to have that conversation with them and explain to them verbally what we were all about um, and, and, and getting a good understanding if, despite the fact that they might be great candidates, was it a right fit for Mosaic in this particular case, which is, yeah. which is a, it's, it's an important point because it's, 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 you, can, you can get leads but you know they might not be the right fit for us you know what's interesting gabriel like the, it, even though we're a digital business our, our goal is to try and eliminate that conversation because it, i can tell you as the person that was involved with it with, with most of it, it it really is just this sense of having someone on the other end of the phone um the the, the level of pre-qualification you know and selection is important but you know, in my view, um, you know, we're not there yet at this sort of fully automated process where we want to try and eliminate, you know, human contact from it. And I'm, I'm always happy and, and so is Nick to speak to, to people about it. But it really was just a sense of having it, being able to have a chat to someone and that being important to you, you the customer and, and the candidate as well. So we're happy to do it. Um, so maybe time for the big reveal. You made a placement. I'm really excited about this placement because uh, when you look at a business like Mosaic, which 
has you know uh, you know a, fa- a founder with amazing industry experience like you, and then someone like Salvador Salvador Klein, who I would call a you know a classic CTO turned entrepreneur type, who mm. um, is you know quite a rare breed, but you know we need more of them in the ecosystem. But someone who is a a techie, but has then succeeded to the point where he likes to invest his own capital and his own time into businesses. Um, who did you end up getting through Apollo for the first placement? And tell us a bit about this person's background, because when I when I talk to people about this placement, they genuinely are amazed that you know that you you, you know that. But I'm not because I always believe that you know <laughs> this is a quality business. But in terms of the the pool of and depth of talent that's out there, if you if you if you know where to look and and how to look, who did you end up getting in? Yeah, and this process, I'm, I was trying to think back. I think it took us about two weeks, the whole from the beginning, from the, that list of leads to actually hiring, um, giving it an off and hiring this 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 first um, candidate. So we got on our board right now, Andrew Stoner, who is an ex-deputy premier of New South Wales and, and currently the, the chairman of one of the largest education groups in the world, um, worldwide. So it's, uh, he's very influential across state and federal government circles, um, world experience, life experience, as much as, as, as understanding how to run established organisations or, or scale up and startups. And, and, and as I said to you, you know, that, that was a, a phenomenal piece of work from you guys. It was, a, it was our first um, really, I, I would say perhaps our second candidate that we spoke to about first hire. So now the model from my end seemed to be working. Um, again, we, I didn't have to go through 300 leads to then have that first conversation with Andrew, which was actually quite relatively informal and really just get to know that what he was he genuinely interested in what we were doing and then for him to see how can he contribute with his, you know, world experience uh, across different sectors and government to, to elevate the, the story that we're doing, not only in Australia, but across uh, different, different countries. So that was a, a, a great win and a great way to start the, the relationship between Mosaic and Apollo. So how do you thank you for that? We were pretty, we were pretty chuffed because I can tell you to, to have to, um, you know, I asked Andrew, who, who was such a, a pleasure to deal with, and as you say, it was very easy from start to finish, you know, dealing with him. Um, you know, I asked him, um, you know, what he thought he could bring to the business and he had a fantastic answer for that question. But it's, it's important not to skip over that, that part of this process, which is, you know, asking and helping candidates identify, you know, what it is that they bring to the table um, in order to get involved with a business like yours because you really don't have room in your structure for a, you know, a leader who, who doesn't have a role or who can't, you know, Complete a, complete a role that you need from them. And he just said to me, well, I know every major player in the political sphere on both sides of politics and education, not just in Australia but in the world, and, you know, Gabriel needs those those connections in order to to grow the business internationally. And that was exact. That, was that not the number one thing on your list in terms of what would be the dream, the dream um, skill set from someone that you might be after? Exactly, and, and 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 I wouldn't underestimate that capacity to be able to, you know, uh, join the dots between this um, world of experience, but also their genuine capacity or, or, or intention to to care about what we're doing 
because we are in education, we are about connecting people and students to um, their careers um, and, and to get out there people that will be able to help us in different areas of expertise um, for a scale up like us and is, 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 is really important. And, you know, we, we're starting our journey, so we needed to get the right people up front because that will impact what we do the next couple of months and years. Um, so that that was a that was a great success, and again, you know, we 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 went through just a very short list of people that were already on board and understood what we were all about, and it was just a matter of myself and and Andrew having that that one hour conversation, and all of this, by the way, done remotely, which is really interesting because you know I have not met you, Simon, physically. Yeah, actually, yeah. we've never met in person. Um, I I all these interviews that we've been doing and conversations with these candidates. Um, for other board roles and advisory roles that we're looking at right now have all been done remotely, um, which was something that perhaps you wouldn't think about, you know, a year ago. Um, and it's been quite interesting to to go through this process and, and use a platform that's able to facilitate all that. Yeah, it's it's been, it, it hasn't held us back a bit like a bit like you. It's amazing how um, how you know. In fact, it's been very easy to for, for people to connect directly with with the client and to and to get uh, comfortable with their business and, and their plans and they conduct conduct their own due diligence inquiries and, and whatever and get their own advice remotely. So just to finish Andrew off, so Andrew's become a director of your business. He's he's working for some equity in your business because this is important that I'm trying to get across to people how the Apollo model works. You've also asked him to support your fundraising and he's done that, which is great. Um, who else is in the you know pipeline? You can't actually use names. We've talked about this until until everyone's yeah. you know finalised and they've consented to have their names made public as Andrew has. But in mm. terms of um, you know the rest of the process, is it a healthy process? Who else is you know is in the pipeline and what do they bring to the table? Can you give the listeners a bit of a sense of you know who else you're talking to through us? Sure, we're we're focusing more around our advisory. Um, advisory board um, hiring process and we currently have given out an offer to someone that's uh, uh, it's, it has a CTO and, and chief digital transformation um, officer roles experience across the world's largest advertising company right now and, and, and has had um, senior roles across uh, major telcos in Australia. So um, it's the interesting uh, conversation we've had with this candidate is that, again, not only does he have this uh, amazing experience across technology um, and innovative technology with established and smaller organisations, but also really understands the customer's journey insights and, 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 and um, data that needs to be looked at for organisations like ours, which are in service sector, to understand and nurture that through technology. Um, and that's it's a rare skill set to have in terms of being able to really marry the, the technology side of things as well as the marketing insights um, and linking those together to, to then put, put into a business model that allows us to scale that and nurture these students all the way through from beginning to end, regardless of what country they come from. So that, that's an interesting process. Um, we have uh, two other candidates. Um, one's actually within the international education sector as well, uh, about 20 years of experience within um, the language centre and, and opening up 
um, transnational delivery in the US and, and Asia. So, um, yeah, and again, this process has, has been, you know, I think we've only been working, what, a couple of months, um, and we're, we're taking our time now with these advisory board members to get the right mix. So we have a, we have a team that adds value as much as then feeds that back to our board. Um, but the process has been fairly similar to what we had with Andrew, which is, you know, the pre-filtering conversation that I have and really trying to see if there's a nice fit with what they can add to where we are right now as a scale-up. That's great. How big do you think you might look to grow your advisory board to? We had a discussion about this actually at the board meeting yesterday, our first board meeting yesterday, and um, we agreed that anywhere between six to eight would make sense for where we are right now. Um, so we're kind of halfway there and, um, and, and it's, this is a new experience for me. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the conversation that I've actually had with, with you, Simon, from Apollo, it actually hasn't been just about providing the leads and, and providing the, 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 the nurturing process for this recruitment process, but it's been also the, the advice, uh, to some extent, a bit of mentoring around, you know, how, how should we. Um, structure that advisory board um, team for it to add value to the company and and not for it to be a distraction to for me. You know, managing a group of six to eight. You know, having having a, an advisory board chair that that manages that governance. So those side conversation around the recruitment process for these board and advisory board members has been actually quite valuable, which might have not have been as explicit when we first had the conversation in terms of what your deliverables will be, but our online and offline conversations around the support and guidance on how to take this forward uh, for someone that's relatively new with all this process was, has been quite valuable. That's a lovely compliment. Thanks for saying that. And I guess we're close to wrapping this up now. I, I, in terms of, you know, your, your experience with Apollo and, um, you know, the, the I guess the spirit of our platform, which is connecting, you know, leaders to growing companies, but, you know, encouraging them to, Become shareholders and become stakeholders in the success of the business. Would you, you know, would you would you recommend it to third parties um, that might have considered considered using it? And you know, in terms of the model, you know, what did you invest up front in it to to get all this value? We haven't actually asked that question. It's kind of the important one. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, it was. Um, uh, it's 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 free to sign up. Um, and 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 start the process, and of course, it's um, like our model. It's um, based on success um, fee at the end of the transaction, at the end of the hire. So that that's works for us. Um, and, and from our end, if I would recommend it, um, I definitely would. Um, you know, especially for scale ups. I, I don't know what your experience is, is, or do you how much you work with with perhaps other larger organisations, except in terms of recruitment. But for for scale ups, it makes sense because you know you're at a stage of the company that you've got to spend so much time in the company and working with your team. You know, hiring management, uh, setting up the operation infrastructure, um, business development, marketing, etc. And and, and the recruitment of, you know, leadership um, at a board level, at advisory board, or even management is, is a critical one. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Apollo League Founder Series. Be sure to tune in for our next interview with another founder of a new and exciting business. And until then, never stop learning.